0: I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I want to welcome everyone online. Coming right over there or somewhere here. Anyway, and uh, so I have to give a lot of credit. I saw Sharon Gard there and, and Mark Roland preached at the 930 service. And uh, also Carlos Whitaker, who wrote the book Kill the Spider. Um, their writing, uh, encouragement, and, and just to really form this message as a team. And so I want to I wanna get into... Uh, This final message in its title, Kill the Spider. And so, I found that book just very eye-opening and healing to me. And the healing that I know needs to continue to take place. And so, this metaphor that Carlos Whitaker talks about is killing the spider. What is a spider? Well, simply... The spider is a lie, and this lie can come from many sources, abuse from someone imposing their will upon us because they believe a lie. The lie can also develop from an untruthful belief about God. This causes us to distrust God and distance ourselves from the one who can give us abundant and eternal life. A lie can come from the choices we have made outside the will of God to where there is self-harm and other horrific things. Lies can also come from the world. False statements such as you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, perform a certain way. All lies can bring tremendous damage such as self-rejection, and and just horrific other things. Maybe you can name in your mind right now about yourself, which is very harmful. And we can think that God and others have abandoned us and maybe make us unable to mobilize into God's incredible power and will for us. Let's look at Ephesians 6. The Apostle Paul writes... And gives us insight, insight on the weapons that we can use to kill this spider. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take a stand against the devil, devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers... Of this dark world. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. And with all your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's people folks Paul wrote this in prison he was put in prison for spreading the gospel and the gospel transformed his life but he saw firsthand in his time the battle constantly with flesh and blood and he was really saying that's not the issue the true battle is against the devil which I like to call the enemy Always the enemy. Folks, the enemy is real. And the first lie that the enemy tries to get us to believe is that he does not exist. C.S. Lewis, love him. Incredible quote. Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. I believe the world is a wreck because of the lies and scheming of the enemy. He comes to devour, kill, destroy, and twist truth. Lies of having people trust in idols rather than the living God of truth. This causes havoc in people to where they believe the lies and then they do horrific things. And I know that from personal experience. The enemy is an opportunist. In the darkest and loneliness of time, he comes... He comes and tells us lies in that subtle dark voice to you and to me. He preys upon wounded hearts. I know this from, like I said, from experience. In counseling, I hear it. When I do these clinical assessments. You can hear the spinning, the lies that people have believed. As I dug into Carlos Whitaker's book, And God's word, I began to see how wounds from past experiences, rejection and abuse were preyed upon by the enemy upon me. And I began to believe those lies and that web spun in my life, immobilizing me, crippling me. I've been on staff at this church, though, since July 1st. And uh, I have to say, I praise God for this staff. They truly love one another. They trust one another, and at times we get vulnerable with one another, and they love Jesus Christ, and it's been so healing for me in my call in ministry. I'm not used to that in my 26 years of ministry, but God has used this environment, and I think you begin to sense it, and I claim it. The environment here at Anderson Hills, which is an environment of revival and being alive in Christ, and has truly helped heal me and discover the deeper things of God, and I just got to give it up to God for that. I was hugging on Mark Butman over here, I was like, I love you, man, <laughs> rubbing his semi-bald head. <laughs> anyway. This morning I'm convinced that I need to be vulnerable with you. It's amazing how when we become vulnerable with a trusted individual and confidentiality. Confidentiality, by the way, I've heard it said, protects community. And we come to a fellow brother or sister in Christ and we show our wounds. You know, it's amazing how it reciprocates to them and comes back to us and it heals. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, Here's my wound, too. Heals them, heals us. As we confess, we say, you know what? I am believing these lies, man. I don't want to get into details, but during my childhood, my family moved quite a bit. We were poor. Um, I'd often wear hand-me-down clothes. Hand-me-down shoes, too. They smell so bad. <laughs> anyway, we moved several times, and I had to muster the courage to make new friends all the time. I also was the youngest of four boys. And don't get me wrong, my bro- brothers, my three older brothers are my, some of my best friends in life. But when you have this toe-headed, tag-along boy, you know, pestering you, big brothers can be very cruel. <laughs> he used to throw me across the ice to test the ice so that they could skate. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, serious, man. My dad also struggled with alcoholism for most of my childhood. Out of that reality um, came lies. The enemy preyed upon that kind of stuff and other miserable things, I think. I've been believing the lies of self-rejection, my friends. And this time, this season, through this series, showed me that. Trust me, I don't blame anyone anymore i love my brothers i love my dad my dad's healing he's amazing he's helping other addicts down in florida with god's truth and ministry god's awesome he's healed our family through the gospel of jesus christ and the holy spirit and they're all doing incredible work for the kingdom of god i'm proud of them but you know Rejection by others can often lead to self-rejection. I don't know if you've experienced that. It can produce negative things. Self-name calling can begin. You hear those lies, you're a failure, good for nothing. Nobody likes you, you're inadequate. I even said that this morning to myself. Actually, my wife heard it. She gave me the what for, you know. What transpired for me is that I began to be the kink comedian of the family, you know, song and dance, getting attention, the funny guy, class clown, you know, Um, and it spun havoc in my life, idiotic choices, you wouldn't believe it, using people for my own benefit to boost my ego. There was a development of practices that began to numb pain and and through pain and try to numb the pain of self-medication and other things. And the webs would spin and turn into chains and they would debilitate me. And they try to, the webs, try to grapple the soul. I found that there was a void and emptiness. However, as I began to pray and listen to God, I heard my true identity in Christ Jesus. Jonathan, you're my beloved son. That's why I get up here all the time when I preach. I say, good morning, beloved. You are beloved, child of God. You are. That's your name. Beloved. Beloved. The almighty God of wisdom and truth helped me discover that spider. You know, I've been seeing that spider up there, you know, on that stage. A little sneaky. You notice it's kind of hidden. I was like, is that going bite, to bite Tom Wessel's leg, you know? But it tries to say, you know, hidden, and and inject venom, poison that does not belong in our lives. When we're going to kill something that doesn't belong, we must understand what weapons are given. You heard it. The apostle Paul was in prison, and he wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus, and he sat in his cell waiting trial. And in his gospel ministry, Paul understood the battle, the real battle, forces of evil. And so he knew the choice of divine weapons that were needed to kill. We need God's weapons to help us win. Verse 10 and 11 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Remember, in him is his armor. I remember my good friend, Chaplain Bill Dickens, who was my wing chaplain in the United States Air Force at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the 445th Airlift Wing, he went to the Middle East, to uh, Kuwait, Iraq area. And he was like, John, this was amazing. He'd tell me when he came back on his deployment, he said when the convoy would go out, when the gates would be open, the leader of that convoy would say, armor up! And they would armor up. They would put on that issued armor. The the convoy and the trucks and everything had some kind of armoring system. And they would roll to their destination to protect against the enemy. God's our leader, our commander. And he constantly calls us to armor up. The armor is issued by him. And notice it doesn't say, all right, take off your armor. It doesn't. We wear it 24-7, 365, even on Christmas, you know. It's a spiritual battle, so it, it requires the divine strength of God. And if we fail to comprehend this, we will not be able to kill the spider. If we try to solve our issues with only our natural methods... It'll be only a temporary cure. Because, see, the mind of God helps us to understand all of us. You know, and there's, there's things that, that can help us understand that through brothers and sisters in Christ and counseling and other things. But God at the source, with this armor, heals cleaning cobwebs and killing Spiders. So when Paul was watched by Roman soldiers, he saw the equipment and it gave him this metaphor. These weapons for warfare. Starting with verse 14, Paul gives us a picture of how a Christian dresses for warfare. Roman soldier of the day. Paul was, he, he wrote this and, and so he found these divine six pieces of armor and weapons needed. And he armors Himself up as well and shares this armor with us through the divine ministry of the Holy Spirit. He begins with the belt of truth. Soldier's belt did basically two things. It protected the midsection and it gave that soldier freedom of movement. Living according to the truthfulness does the same for us, my friends. It frees us for joyful obedience. Paul's not talking about truth There's no definite article in the Greek. He's talking about truthful living, truthful thinking, truthful speaking. He's talking about behavior here. He's talking about honesty. You've heard the word say, says the truth will set you free and you will be free indeed. Jesus called the enemy in John 8, the father of lies. You know, lying always backfires. We do it to protect ourselves, but it really causes horrific webs, and we get caught and tangled up in it, you know? And we seem to have to lie more and more and more to protect that original lie. And it gives him a foothold, as it's called, and it gains a position for him in the war. Secondly, we're to wear the breastplate of righteousness. The purpose is obvious. It protects these vital organs. The righteousness is Christ's righteousness. It is righteous behavior and lifestyle. What does that look like? It's it's seeking God and and trying our best to be holy as he is holy. Living a life with good works. Not saying that good works save us. But doing good works and righteous living, it does. It protects that vitalness And the most precious thing in our lives paves the way for God's strength. It paves the way to transform others. We must remember that it is Jesus Christ's righteousness. And living in that reality produces vital things in abundancy in our life. Thirdly, we have the feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It tells us we are to be ready, ready to share that gospel. And it brings peace. Peace be with you. Don't you want Peace. Doesn't the gospel bring peace? It just disarms all that confusion and chaos. Peace. Breathe it in. It's his peace. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It doesn't come from the world. It's divine peace. Isaiah says in chapter 52, how beautiful are the mountains and the feet of those who bring the good news and proclaim peace. We defeat evil, as we share the gospel and chaos begins to diminish. And then we are to take up the shield of faith to protect against the enemy's sniper shots, which are lies, deceptions, anxieties, fears that he throws at us. Faith is an important weapon in our arsenal. When we lack faith, it just depletes us. And I had a cold a few weeks ago. I was depleted, I couldn't sleep. And I just felt like this, when we, we're not filled with health, and faith that comes from God, we are going to feel just miserable. There was a, the soldiers had two kinds of shields, a small one to use in hand-to-hand combat, but then a large one, a large one that was four and a half feet tall, two feet wide, and each soldier would stand side by side, you know, and they couldn't be penetrated at all by the enemy. And Paul uses that shield of faith. Next. Or wait a minute. Yeah, i got more to talk about here. That's what faith does. It gives us complete confidence in God to give us victory. It reminds us that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And when we stand side by side with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we form a wall. And the arrows just ding, 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 ding. They ricochet and we're like, whatever, enemy. We're in this together. We are the body of Christ. And when we have faith together, isn't that contagious, man? Yes, it is. Oh, I know it. I was singing with my brothers over there, man. Yes, just with such faith and freedom to praise God. And then we were to put on a helmet. Of salvation. Paul's talking about the way we think. Just like a helmet protects your head, salvation does that too. A sense of salvation gives us insurance. And in the battles of life, it reminds us that we belong to Jesus Christ. It reminds us that He has done everything so that we can live in Him and experience, experience healing and wellness. Salvation is in the deepest depths of that word, that Greek word so-so, it means wellness. Put on <laughs> wellness. That's why I know I can't give in to despair. No matter how things, bad things get, God's salvation protects my head. And it's been said from this pulpit right here, that death gets behind me. And I think about all that God has done and promised me, even in my darkest days. It's hard for me to imagine any situation beyond his control because I have his salvation. He's done everything. When I look at a situation that seems to me way too big to handle, I, must, I just remember I am yours and yours are mine, God. And you saved me. I know his love for me. And that is only temporal as far as that situation. We're to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the weapon that Paul mentions. The only weapon that he mentions, outward, is the most powerful weapon in the world. It's been said that the... the, the God's word's like a sword. It penetrates, and it kills something that doesn't belong, and it also heals, man. And remember how effectively Jesus used Scripture as he fought with the devil 40 days of temptation. He countered it with Scripture. You know? And Satan left. It says he left until there was another opportune time, but Jesus, the very embodiment of the word of God, Fought it with God's word. He knew it. My go-to scripture is Isaiah 41.10. And, and I Jonathanize it. And I encourage you to do this with personalizing scripture. Let me give you an example. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, Jonathan, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, J. Cole. I'm with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you, Joe Nathan, and help you. I will uphold you by my right hand, Jonathan Sean Coleman. I encourage you to do that. These are the weapons that we put on. We put them on. So how do we kill this spider while armored up? First thing we need to do, and I did this as I read the book. I, I prayed and I listened. We need to use prayer and listen to God's voice. In verse 18 of our scripture, Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests. With the mind, be alert, always praying for the Lord's people. Prayer is the most powerful, far-reaching weapons. And the disciples, as is recorded, received lessons from Jesus Christ. They didn't receive lessons on preaching a sermon or leading a Bible study. They got lessons on prayer, and they listened to Christ. Paul's strategy was simple. Pray for everyone, everything, on all occasions. And I was reading through this book. I would, I would sometimes get on the ground so I'd start praying and allowing God to heal me. And I would listen to his voice. Proverbs 2, it says, My son, if you receive my words, treasure these commandments, making your ear attentive to my wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. I, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... If you seek it like silver and search it for like hidden treasure, you'll understand. You'll understand. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When we listen, I believe we'll have breakthrough. breakthrough. A couple weeks ago, I shared with the staff here at Anderson Hills my breakthrough. Upon seeing that spider and finding that spider of self-rejection, um, I listened, and God helped me. I took what, God took what was evil and turned it into good. Here's what I mean. Yes, I was the class clown. I'm still kind of clownish. And in fifth grade, yes, I had over 60 detentions. And I was always trying to make friends and woo. And this lived out in me in a negative way. But God, got negative ways, but God showed me that He had taken what is evil and turned it into good. And God used this to help me become a person who liked me. I like me. I love me. Jesus says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I I meet people easily now. I love preaching the gospel and helping people understand that. I love making them laugh and and other things. You see what happened there? And it's really cool. And God can do the same in you with that breakthrough. And it helps me not reject myself but love God. And I praise the Lord for that. I asked God, what do I need to do to change? And he answered. And so this is how we get into killing. We confess. We repent. The first prayer was a prayer of repentance. Repentance. I took ownership of my part of the lie. The Greek word for repentance is is turn around. Stop in the direction you're going. Come back to me. It's a great word. And a lot of times our our world hears that and they hear negative. It's not negative. It's good. Come back to me. I love you. Repentance just isn't saying sorry for your sin. It makes life change. It, It turns away from our sin and turns back to the Holy One. It's agreeing with God that we... We have not not only been believing the lie, we have lost our belief in God's truth, and we must come clean, confess it and ask for next is forgiveness. Forgiveness for our unbelief in God's promises, not about who we are, but who God is and His plans for our lives, about the future. And not only did I have to speak forgiveness to God or ask God for forgiveness, I had to forgive myself that's the hardest person to forgive, isn't it? Yourself. The way to kill comes off, and the lie diminishes. The next thing is we have to reject. Last weekend, I had a healing moment when I named out loud to my beloved, those beloved men on the Emmaus walk. I shouted out that spider of self-rejection. I verbally rejected that and renounced that lie, and it means that I'm refusing to live the lie any longer. There's power in rejecting that and saying that and giving it to Jesus and naming that to our Lord, who is our commander. He's our leader. He would rebuke evil spirits with words, and we rebuke that in his name. We pray with confidence and reject that lie that keeps us bound. The next is replacing I prayed that God would fill me afresh with His holy Spirit whenever you take something away, friends, you have to replace it with something good, or that void will continue and it'll try the enemy will try to fill that void again with horrific stuff again. It finds when well, you know it, it, Jesus said this, he says when I It says, I will return to the house I left. And when an impure spirit comes out of a person it goes into arid places seeking rest, it doesn't find it. And then that spirit says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it several other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go and they live there. So Jesus says that. So we have to replace. We have to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us with his joy, peace, love, and his purposes. During a difficult time in my ministry, I kept pleading to the Lord to help me with my call as a pastor. I pleaded. And I felt so worn out trying to, to revitalize church churches and the stuckness. And God answered my prayers. This took time, but God showed me. And it replaced in me good things. Evil is persistent and it waits for an opportune time to sneak back in. But God is greater we can put it at the good foot of the cross, and Jesus will crush it, crush it, and send it to the abyss of his judgment. We're gonna watch a video about someone who killed their spider.
1: So my parents were married at a young age, um, 16 and 18. Um, they, with that comes some immaturity and they didn't know um, how to be married. Um, There's some dysfunctions in the family. And so I was born a year, almost a year later after they were married. And um, fast forwarding to me being about three years old, I was placed in foster care, some things that happened in our family. And um, I remember it very clearly, even at the age of three, being taken from them. It was a pretty traumatic experience. And so I was, after about six months, uh, reconciled with my parents, and um, the continued to be a rocky marriage. So fast forward until I was eight years old. Um, about three days after my eighth birthday, my parents were split up, and um, they came together to have a discussion that led to an argument that led to some domestic violence, and um, my father killed my mother that day, and so. I lost both parents at the age of eight. My dad, you know, he would—we would have correspondence back and forth while he was in prison, and we would write letters and talk on the phone and have visitations and things. And um, you could just see in him—I've seen a change in him through, you know, he came to recognize Christ as his Lord and Savior through being in— Incarcerated, um, and asked for forgiveness, and God was dealing with me in my heart about forgiving Him. It was a long process to do that, but I found it in my heart to do it. So last year, it was announced that we were going to have a healing school, and Dr. Bobby Cabot was going to come back. And I had seen her at the conference that the year prior, and so I just had this um, stirring within my heart that I should attend. I followed God's voice and leading me. Um, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, through that conference, I realized uh, the Holy Spirit just brought up to me, stirred up within me, that I had some unforgiveness towards my mom. I have um, a relationship with my dad, who basically you know, took, you know, took my mother's life. Um, and so I've had, I've worked through that forgiveness with him and um, have, that relationship has been reconciled but I never, and up until that point, realized that I had held on to some unforgiveness towards my mother and even I, even some grief that I still carried around related to losing my mom um, and so that that was my spider. Just the grief that I had um, the unloving, the feeling of being unloved, and um, even some rejection. You know, I was a daughter of a murderer, and now I realize that I am a daughter of a king. I have so much joy. I do. Like, there's a joy I have, especially now in worship. (laughs) I just want to worship God with everything that I have, because He has restored me. He's taken off. He's taken that mourning from me. He's taken that grief from me. He's taken that feeling of being unloved and um, unforgiving. And I can forgive myself. I can forgive others. Um, I have more mercy towards others and love to give. And I don't feel rejected.
0: Amen. She's so beautiful, isn't she? She's so beloved. William Wallace says this. He says, what will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Will you fight? There's freedom in Jesus Christ.